We recently uh, had our Vision Sunday. Vision for the year was proclaim and declare. Say it with me, proclaim and declare. So uh, I want to ask you the question, have you been doing it? Have you been proclaiming and have you been declaring? Have you gone and controlling your tongue? Is it funny when you focus on something, all of a sudden you see that maybe there's some areas I need to sort this out on. So as you all know, I... I love playing things. I love competing at things. I like being competitive. So I play squash and darts and golf and katan and cards. And, and I want to do all these different things. And I love it. But I notice something that I'm very loud. Right? A guy in a squash court actually said to me like when he walked past, he goes, you're very loud. And I go, yes, I get into whatever I'm doing. right? <laughs> and that, but I realize that I'm loud sometimes in not such a great way. Right? So I'll go, Mark, you idiot. Now, when I'm playing Mark Bromley, it could mean a couple of things, right? But, uh, uh, but, but it's like when I'm playing something else. It's like, there's one person who plays golf with me. He goes, the only reason I play golf with me, with you, is I want to hear loudly exclaimed, Mark, you idiot. Right? Yesterday, four shots in a bunker. Mark, you idiot. Right? Like it just wasn't a happy day. So, you know, things like, only a moron would do that after I hit the ball or miss a shot or, or do something like that. Or when I play darts, I go, you foolish, foolish boy. Right? That's my self-talk. It is not great self-talk. And that's not what I kind of realize. But what I realize, that my proclamation and declaration as I do that affects the people that I'm playing with. They want to have a good time. And they want to beat me fair and square. And they want to beat me because they're talented. But because I'm always self-lamenting, I'm basically saying, you didn't beat me, I lost. Right? And so I've taken away their joy. And I've taken away. So I've noticed that my speech, because all of a sudden I've noticed that. But it's really hard because I've been trying so much to change that. But what happens is that it's just a natural reaction after all of these years. So I'm going to try and change it to something positive. Come on, Mark, you can do better or something along those lines. I realized that my negative declaration was stealing the joy of my opponent. And so therefore, I'm going to work on that. So all of us are going to hopefully be affected by proclaiming and declaring in different ways. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Vision Sunday we proclaimed the vision. So today, I want to talk about how you can get involved with the vision, how you can be part of the vision of what we're going to do as a church. So yes, I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm not going to hide anything. I am shamelessly going to ask you to do something at the end of this message. I'm going to use all of my salesman's tricks, and I'm going to try and persuade you to get involved somehow at a merged church. But don't turn off, right? Don't turn off. Don't make a decision yet. You may actually be surprised where this finishes. Now, I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to guilt you. But I promise I am going to try and persuade you to get involved somehow because it's good for you and it's good for the church. You know, I feel a little bit before preaching this message, like before I do when preaching a message on tithing, I know that it's good for you. I know that it will benefit you. But some of you turn off and some might even get mad. But I'm a pastor. I'm the father of the house. 
And every now and again, I've got to give you your vegetables because they're good for you. Now, serving for me, to be honest, has never been hard. Right? It's always something I've done willingly. It's something that I've done quickly. It's something that I've wanted to do. Whatever I do, I get involved in. Whatever I'm involved with, I, I, I want to have a part to play. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that sits easily in the background and just let it happen around me. I feel like I want to have a say in what's going on. So recently at my golf club, we hosted the Queensland PGA Championships. And so they needed volunteers. They needed people to come and help serve. And so I said, yes, I'll put up my hand. I will come and volunteer. So this is my job. Have a look. Here comes a picture. Right? I was a guy. Right? There's golfers in the back. These are professional golfers in the back. I was a guy standing there holding up a quiet sign. How cool is that? I've got good legs, you know. I have got good legs and my butt's not too bad. All right. So I want to say, you know, I'm a moderately busy person. There are other volunteers. There's like a thousand members of that club. So there are other volunteers. But I give myself to what I'm involved in. You know, I, I, I think I've got some skills. I think I've got some abilities. I think that I could probably do more than hold up a sign that says choir. I'm essentially the shh guy. Shh, shh. And I'm very good at it. Shh. Right? But in church, I want you to go, amen. Don't be shh. <laughs> Thank you, Christine. You know, to be honest, I think there's other jobs I could have done. I think there's some more senior jobs I could have done. I think I could have run the sponsor's tent. I think I would have done a good job. I think there's other areas of the event that I could have taken control of and, and done well with. But I was asked to hold up a sign that says quiet. And then point. You get the sign. It's a, it's a very complicated job. Like if it went down the middle, you go like that. If it went to the right, you'd go like that. If it went to the left, you'd go like that. Right? So it's very, very important. Right? So to be honest, really, it's not that important. Right? He's holding up a sign. Shh. Shh. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. But I do want to say... To the young professional golfer who's trying to secure his future, to the guys who are at the top of the leaderboard, it was important because golf is a game of centimetres. A missed part because someone's making a noise or someone's talking can actually be the difference between thousands of dollars. A young man missing a cut in an event like this could mean that he has to give up his dream of being a professional golfer because he just realises it ain't going to happen for him. So being able to concentrate and be in a place of quiet is very important. It seems like my job isn't that important, but for that professional golfer, it is important. In the scheme of things, it may seem small, but the larger picture is very important. But that's just golf. It's really that, not that important, to be honest. Serving in church is a whole lot more than that. It may not seem much in the scheme of things, but in the bigger picture, yeah. it's really important. Yeah. For example, if you serve on our welcome team and you've got one of those nice, what colour shirts are they? Blue or purple? Something, they're a colour, right? And they say, I'm here to help. That's a good thing. See, if you're here and you smile to someone that's new, 
That makes them feel like they're welcome here at the church. You don't know what rejection they've been through this week. You don't know what they've gone through and what a welcoming smile can actually just do to their spirit. You don't know the home that they come from. You don't know the work, things that are going on. It's just a smile. Someone who's actually glad to see them might actually be the thing that does something great in their spirit. You might serve in the tech area, which means you get in really early, right? People only notice you if something goes wrong, right? You know, like, uh, and that, you just get in really early. You set up the lights and the videos and the computers or the instruments. And, but you know what you do? You enable someone to concentrate on Jesus. They're not worried about the fact this screen's going on and off or the sounds goes up and down. They can actually concentrate on, on, on God. They can concentrate on getting into God's presence. And you don't know how much they felt disconnected from God during the week. They may have felt like God was a million miles away. But because you did your little job, you turned your little knobs, you, you, you pointed the camera in the right place, you, you put the instruments in the right spot, all of a sudden they can just go, oh God, you're there. And they can see a sign that God loves them and that, that God's with them. You know, you might serve in the kids area. And you know, what's that to? I don't even get to go to church. I, I, I miss church. These little snotty kids running around and, and doing all these things. You know, oh. But you think about this. You're not just child-minding, but you're actually setting the direction of a young person's mind, of a, of a kid's mind. You're, you're setting a direction. You're giving a mum and dad a moment to contemplate and to be in God's presence. You know, it's a busy mum and dad life. A lot of times they don't have time to get into God's presence. Everything is wanting their, their attention. And in a busy mum and dad's life, having an hour to be in the presence of God without your kids, that's incredibly important. You might serve in life groups or host one in your home. You might be the one that brings, you know, the savory shapes or the chips. And how, how important is that? You've helped set an atmosphere where someone feels loved, yeah. where someone feels they belong. Now they, now they feel that I've got some friends I can trust with, with, with some issues of mine. I can actually show them the areas of pain. I can actually show them the areas where they're, where they're hurting. I can actually stand. Oh, I can show them because now I've got a group of friends that, that want to actually care for me. They want to actually love me. It can bring a major change. It's so, so important. See, they all seem so important, so, so unimportant. Making someone a coffee, playing an instrument, putting out chairs, visiting someone who's sick, cleaning the toilet, so dull, so pointless. But you put it all together and you have an environment where God can do an eternal change where someone can move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, where someone at their wit's end gets enough strength to be able to keep going, where, where someone gets a word from God that, that completely sets their direction and gives them an energy and that faith is birthed. Think of the one person who said today, God, if you don't touch me, that's it. I'm out of here. I've, I've had enough. And you'd be surprised how often someone comes to church with that attitude. We're just like, God, that's it. I, I, I'm just... But it's you doing your unimportant, your unglamorous task that sets an environment where God can work, where God can move, where God can speak, where God can change a life forever. 
I want you to understand this. Every time someone gives their life to Christ at a merged church, whether it be at Moray Field or Redcliffe, where you've never been, right? You've never, you don't even drive past it. You don't even have a clue where it is. But you still played a part in someone getting their life changed. Every time someone encounters God here at a merge, it's because you played your part. You may never meet that person. You never speak to that person. That person may never know you. But you played your role, you played your part to see them established in the kingdom of God. You played your part to see them encounter Jesus. So yes, serving is eternally important. Now you might see me, you might see all the other pastors who are doing things and you think, that's what serving is. That's who gets the job done. They're the ones who make it so God moves. Nah, we're just the ones that people see. Right? We're not the one who makes it. It's all of you who do your role, your part, your job that's unseen, unlauded, not praised, and you do yours, and all of a sudden you have the applause of heaven. What do you think about it like this? Have you ever seen the magnificent cruise liner? Luxury cruise liner, massive decks, it's got... Slippery slides, all sorts of things going on. You look at it and you marvel at its size. You marvel at the luxury. You applaud the captain. How can he pilot such a huge boat? How incredible it must be if if you're lucky on a cruise, you can sit on the captain's table because he's the guy who can get it in. But I want to say no one looks at the tugboats. They're ugly. They're ungainly. But I want to tell you, Not one cruise liner, not one aircraft carrier, not one giant cargo ship ever docks at a dock if it isn't for the tugboats. Without a tugboat, all those boats, no matter how beautiful, amazing, large, no matter how incredible they are, they just float around and one day they'll just crash into the docks or they'll just crash into the rocks. See, as pastors of the church, we might be the ones seen and lauded but it's because of all of you who do the servings. Without you who serve, without you who smile, without you who welcome, without you who do all the different jobs, we just crash and burn. So let me ask you a question. Do you have to serve at a merged church? Well, the answer to that is fairly easy. No, you don't have to do anything. Nina and I will love you. We'll care for you. We'll esteem you regardless of how well you serve or if you never serve at all. So of course not. You don't have to serve. But my next question is, should you serve? And my answer to that is yes. 1 Peter says this in verse 10. As each one has received a gift, let them minister it to one another. That verse, as I read it, pretty much encompasses everyone. There's not many outs. As each one has received a gift, let them minister it to one another. See, God, the gift giver, has given each and every one of us a gift. Everyone in this room right now, everyone who's listening via uh, online, every one of you has a gift, something given to you by God, 
not just for your benefit, but to benefit someone else. Might be your listening skills. The very fact that you can just listen to someone tell a story. That might be what God wants to use you for. Could be your hospitality. It could be your brain or it could be your brawn. You know, yesterday, two guys with youths and some young adults helped an older lady from our congregation move a storage unit full of furniture and all this stuff to her house. The lady didn't have her own family to help, but her church family used their gifts. What was their gift? Some youths, some time, some muscle. And I want to say that made someone else's life a whole lot easier. And that's the body of Christ at work. There are 1,000 gifts that you could have that you could help someone else win. Remember, nothing we get from God is for ourselves. There's literally nothing that God has ever given you that's just for you. When God saved you, he had someone else in mind. You know, Matthew 25 is a pretty amazing chapter. Uh, of the Bible. There's three kind of stories in it, two parables and one depiction of heaven. It's one of those parables, you know, the, the parable of the talents that most people would know about. Even people in the world would, would understand and have heard the story. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a great story. The master, God, demands that a prophet is made from the gift that's given. If you think about it, that's what it's saying. You know, prophet is such a modern word. It's like a Western capitalist word. And it seems that in our corporate world, everything is pretty much about profit. We hear about a bank making $4 billion profit, and we get a bit cynical when they cry poor because they have to pass on a small interest rates or they, you know, they cut a whole lot of jobs. Surely they could just make $3 billion and use $1 billion to employ Australians. The investors wouldn't mind, would they? Right? So, you know, there's just a, it's, it's an issue. I'm not a politician, though, so. But profit is actually important. It's vitally important. Without profit, you can't go forward. Without profit, you can't invest in the future. That's why the world economy hangs in a precarious balance right now. A lot of major economies haven't made a profit for a while. And while you may be able to spend more than you earn for a time, eventually that catches up with you and your future prospects diminish. Now, none of you are here today for an economics lecture. And if you were, you shouldn't certainly be listening to me. But from the parable, we see that God is essentially an investor in us. And I find the concept of God being an investor in us and therefore expecting a profit from us a fascinating concept. It's something that in my mind kind of like works it out because aren't we saved by grace? Don't our works matter nothing? We are saved by grace, not works, lest anyone would boast. We cannot do anything that makes God love you more or do anything that makes God love you less. Our salvation is secure upon calling upon the name of Jesus in faith and trusting him. No ifs, no buts. So how does God expecting a prophet from us fit the grace narrative? And it's this. All of what I said is completely true. There's nothing we can do to earn the love of God. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. 
Our salvation is completely given to us by God, from God, by grace. But once saved, there is certainly a responsibility that we all have. Look at what James says. James 2 verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and and daily food. If if one of you says to him, go in peace, I'll pray for you. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. The scripture there pretty much explains itself. There's always evidence of faith. Martin Luther, the great reformer who who brought back the truth of grace back to the church, he actually had a saying. He said, we are saved by grace alone. But grace is never alone. Faith is never alone. You know, know, Martin Luther actually argued that the book of James should be taken out of the scripture. So Matthew 25 is a very thought-provoking chapter. And it actually comes at a very interesting time in Jesus' time here on earth. It's at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be resurrected. He's about to ascend into heaven. So Jesus has taught all the disciples. He's exampled all to the disciples. And they're ready now to go and bring the church and, and establish the church on the air. He knows he's going. And so he tells these three stories. One is about uh, the two parables and then a prophecy. So essentially, the whole of Matthew 25 is to us. The believers left on the earth before the return of Christ. Christ was here. He was the master. He's now left. He's coming back again. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do. Not concentrate on just the fact that he's going to come back. That's a fact. He is coming back. But to actually get busy while we're here. See, the first parable is about the wise and foolish virgins. And some are ready when the bridegroom comes back and some are not. So you can basically sum up the first parable by saying, don't be lazy. Don't just be sitting around expecting God to do everything for you, but be ready for when Jesus comes back. The third parable is about sheep and goats, which essentially is saying, you know, there's people who don't care about the poor, people who don't care about people in jail, people who don't care about doing anything. He goes, they're not so good, but there's people when you do something for others, you're actually doing it as if you're worth to Christ. What it's actually saying is don't be selfish and don't make the kingdom all about yourself. That's essentially what it's saying. But the second parable is a bit more direct. A master gives his trusted servants some money, some talents. He's exampled the fact that the kingdom works. He's exampled the fact that the kingdom is fruitful. He's exampled the fact that the kingdom could grow. He's growing something. And so what he does is he he gives one servant five, he gives another servant three, and he gives another servant one. And as the Bible says, he gives it according to their abilities. And so he gives different 
kind of like things. And it says that they get busy and they, they do something. The master comes back and he commends the servants who made a profit, but he condemns, sorry, so he commends the servant who made a profit and condemns the one who hides and buries his talent. He condemns the one who didn't make a profit. So you can sum up that parable by saying, God's given you something, so you better use it. Now what happens is that we can see someone and they've been given five talents and we go, well, God only trusted me one with one, so maybe he doesn't love me as much as that person. Or we can see someone turn five into ten and go, whoa, look at how much they've done. I've got this little thing, I can only do this. See, it's not about how much you do, it's in a being yeah. obedience to what God has asked you to do. God has not asked you to be the senior pastor of Immersed Church, right? So don't feel guilty if you're not a pastor. One of the things I've seen over the years is that some people feel that if you're a pastor, that somehow you're better or, or that God hears you more or, or God loves you more or God esteems you more. No, you're just doing what God asked you to do. God asked me to be a plumber, I'd be a plumber. If God asked me to be a policeman, I'd be a policeman. Even though I would tell them that the blue car, which was really a brown car, was what the suspect got into. So I wouldn't be a very good policeman. God's not going to ask you to do more than what he's asking you to do. And the Bible tells us that God's calling is his enabling. So if he's asking you to do something, he already knows that you can do it. You don't have to be frightened. You don't have to feel incomplete. You don't have to feel like you can't do it. If God's asking you, then God knows that you can do it. So now watch this. The man who received five bags of gold went at once, so straight away, and put his money to work. Now this is, I can't say it well, but it says, erga zomei. That's what the word work means. And he gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So look at this word, erga zomai. It means to work, to labor, to do work. It's to trade, to make gain by trading, to do business, to do to work out, to exercise, perform, commit, to cause to exist, to produce, to work for, earn by working, to acquire. It's action. You see the talents and abilities that God has given to you worked out by working. Waiting is not how it happens, right? Waiting is not just going, just do it for me, God. I'm sitting there, just sitting in your grace. Just, I just, you do it all by your grace. No, you've got to do something. Yeah. You've got to put it to work. God has given you your nature, and now it's your job to nurture that nature. And as you do, a fruitfulness comes into your life. No one can work to earn your salvation. You are not loved more or less by God because of your works. God doesn't need your works, but working to see what God has placed in you come to full fruition is how the kingdom of God works. In all hard work, there is profit. And like all of us, God doesn't like making a bad investment. Remember, I'm not talking about salvation here. 
I'm talking about discipleship, about growing in the things of God, about achieving maturity in the things of God, about outworking the plan and purpose that God had for your life so that you can live your best life. So what's profit in the kingdom of God? It's not not an offering. It's not money. It's not a bigger car, nicer house, all of those things. Profit in the kingdom of God is people. People is what matters to God. People are what is of value to God. So much value that God himself came to earth as a man, served us, taught us, showed us an example to us, and then died on a cross, was resurrected on the third day, and around 40 days later ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us right now. We are valuable to God. He has value in us. And that's why when we value one another, we value what God values. When we devalue one another, we are devaluing how God thinks. That's why it's so important to actually use the gifts and the abilities and the things that God has put in you to serve other people. So serving builds a house through three things. It creates a unity. See, our job is to create the unity and then God will command the blessing. So we work together in unity. I want to say, if you're working in the cafe, there's a thing of unity that's going on there. When you're working as a host team, there's a measure of unity that's happening within that host team. As you get together with other life group leaders, there's a measure of unity that happens. You're able then to build the second thing, connection. So instead of just coming to church, it's just like, okay, I did, you know, I'm here, this, this, you actually start to connect. So the people in the cafe start to be friends. The people on hosties start to be friends. The kids, people in a life group start to get friendship connection. The people in the kids' ministry start to get connected. You get connected to one another. And then from that, fruitfulness happens. The work of the church happens. The roles and the jobs and what God is wanting to do through the church happens because there's unity, connection, which then brings fruitfulness. But sometimes serving is just doing what needs to be done. You know, if you come to here to church on a Tuesday, every Tuesday you will see Nina in our kitchen, our staff, or the kitchen here, just cleaning up from youth group, from Sundays, from all the different things. Not that people are dirty, not that people are, you know, horrible people and just lazy, not doing anything. But there's always just that final, Nina disagrees, no, but, uh, uh, no, sorry. But she goes and does the job, right? Because it's just done. It needs to be done, so Nina just goes and does it. She's a senior pastor. She wasn't put on this earth to clean a kitchen. But, is a job that needs to be done. And so she just does it. And because she does it so well, no one can actually reach that mega standard, right? She continues to do it every week. See, serving doesn't make you lesser than someone else. Now, I wouldn't normally put out chairs on a Sunday morning. It's not because it's beneath me. It's not because I'm too good to put out the chairs. I'm the senior pastor. I'm not putting out a chair. Let me tell you, I've put out thousands of chairs in my life, right? 
it certainly, certainly doesn't mean that I'm better because I'm the senior pastor of the church than the person who puts out the chairs, right? Somehow God says, well, you got your preaching, that guy's putting out chairs. You are obviously much more important, Mark, to the kingdom than that person putting out chairs. That, see, serving's got nothing about status. It's just doing. If, if you're an actual servant, it's actually about bowing down. This is how I serve you. So I serve the church in my role and responsibility as senior pastor. Someone else does it. Now, if I came today and all of a sudden the chairs weren't there, then I would put out the chairs. But if every week Emerge Church ran because Pastor Mark was putting out the chairs, maybe we wouldn't be doing so well. Does it make sense? It would mean that many people aren't being used and doing things. That's not how the body of Christ should work. It indicates if I'm the one putting out all the chairs, that something's wrong in the body of Christ. So what role could you play? In what area could you serve? And there are many. And I want to tell you that in whatever area that you would like to go into, we will give you the training. We're not just going to tell you sink or swim. Here, you do this and then yell at you if you didn't do it properly. I can promise you pretty much that no one's going to yell at you even if you had training and you still did it wrong. And if they did yell at you, hopefully someone would come and tell me and then I'd yell at them. No, I wouldn't, no. But, uh, <laughs> right? No, but that's, just not, that's not what we want to do. So you may say, look, I can serve at a particular event once a year. I can serve every week. There are some people who do something pretty much every service. And then some people might do something once a week, once a, once a fortnight, once a month. It's, it's about what level you're willing to step into. It's your choice, but do something. So let me give you some of the areas where we would be very happy if you would serve. So there's our kids area. Our kids team is leading and investing into the next generation. To be honest, it's a lot of fun. They have kids praise and worship. There's Bible story, there's crafts, and there's playtimes. So what an opportunity to use your experience to help teach young ones about Jesus and then to actually partner with their families to help set a foundation in the kids' lives. What a great thing. And we will make sure, because in the end, to be honest, our kids' workers have some of the biggest sacrifices because if you're doing tech, Rob might have got here real early and set everything up and been busy, but he can still hear the word. He can still have a bit of praise and worship, right? He can, he can do those different things, but someone in kids' church, they just miss out. So what we do is we make sure that you're not on all the time. We make sure that you have an ability to, to be in church so that God can put something in your spirit. Remember that Mary sat before she could serve. And sitting at the feet of Jesus is still the most important thing. But then we're talking about that another time today. We're talking about serving. So you might be the creative team. Now, creative team is not just singers and, and, and instrument players, even though we do want that. Do you know that our growth of our church is actually limited by our musicians and singers? If we were to do another... A location, you basically need three full bands. So three piano players, 
lots of guitars, lots of singers, lots of drummers, so that you can actually not kill your volunteers, right? So you don't want a volunteer serving out every... So you want to have three bands per actual service. So if you can play an instrument, if you've got a heart for that, you can sing, right? There's an opportunity for you to do. You have to go through an audition, all right? Otherwise, I'd be singing, all right? And no one wants that. But there's other things. There's dance and there's design. You think of all the videos that we make. Every week there's a video. Someone had to put that video together of the Mission Sunday. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can do photography. Maybe you can dance. You know, you can do spirit dancing and that in the spirit. Maybe we won't be doing that. All right. Maybe you can help build a set for the sound of music or, or, or those type of things. Do someone's hair. There's all sorts of things that are going on. You know, Jacinta is in the sound of music. She's going to be a perfect Liesl. I can just see with the blonde hair kind of in plaits there, kind of like dancing through the hills, singing. These are a few of my favorite things. All right. Production. I, there is, production is massive. You know, to put church on, there's so many things, and, and it's something that we've spent money on. You know, LED screens, uh, new sound system, which are, you know, all these different things, and, and they work hard. And a lot of the people in our production team have been working for years, right? Not just for five minutes, but working for years. And so we'd love you to just help. But, you know, we're not going to kill you. We're not going to say, every service you're on and you better get here at half past four in the morning. And, you know, we're not going to be doing that. We value you and so we'll treat you as, as you are valuable. We're not just going to use you as common. And we're definitely not going to abuse you. I think a lot of times... The people in our production teams have been people that have been abused because there's just this expectation, right? But we're not going to do that here. We're going to train you, give you what you need, and so you're able to do and help in the different areas. There's our cafe, which is really the central hub of our community before and after services. To sorry about this morning, we had some electrical issues and some water issues. They were going to turn off the water so they could fix it up, and I said, please wait till church comes. Because someone will be in the toilet and it could be very embarrassing when there's no water. All right, so, so they've done that. But someone went and did that. It's just, it's just fantastic. So, you know, we just help once, be smile, make a coffee, do these different things. So great. There's our host team. You know, where your priority is people. Now, if you're a misery guts, you, you find it hard to smile. Maybe host team isn't for you, right? But if you can smile and you don't mind smiling, and you're kind of basically happy and you like people and you can use your words without grunting, right? Then you'd be perfect for a hosting. We don't really want people on our hosting. Hey, how are you this morning? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. I told you sit there, right? Like we don't want you doing that. There's other places we'll find you if you're that process person, right? Process persons, we love them. That's no, all right, I won't go there. We need them. We need processes. It's just not me. All right. So we just, we just, you know, just make things, just work properly. Just help. Make sure that everything is in place, that, that things are going well. You know, bringing up, you know, I love Paul. He can do this whole pulpit with one arm. That's really strong. You notice when, when you see him next week, when he pulls out his things with one arm, just walking away <laughs> with a pulpit like this. Right? I'd want to get a forklift to move this thing. Right? So... 
But we need strong people who can lift pulpits right, and, and do those different things, who vacuum the floor. Right? It bothers me when I just see the floor full of stuff right? every now and again. You know, Alex works really hard getting to look fantastic, and then you come in sometimes, oh, my goodness. But then our service team comes and starts to you know, vacuum, starts to clean the windows, make sure the toilets are clean, make sure that towels are there so you can rub in, make sure that there's hand sanitizer everywhere, give you your communion and, and hand out the different things that we do. Maybe there's morning tea, you know, where you can just help come a little bit early and make sure that everyone, whether they want to pay for a coffee at the cafe or just have a free cup of tea and coffee, can sit and enjoy the benefit of being in, in the church. And, and it gives you an opportunity to just chat with lots of people. You want to meet people? Get involved with our morning tea area or our host team or our service teams or our, you know, cafe. It's a great way to meet people. Our life groups. There's a little bit more skilled. We need some people. You want to be a life group leader? There's a training process that we go through and there's different things that we do to make sure that you have an ability to pass the people and just look after people. You know, like if you're still, no, I won't go there, but so, <laughs> right, so we just, we'll help you get to that place. But also maybe you say, well, I've got a big house with a big room and I don't mind every fortnight some people coming to my house. I know I have to clean up. You know, uh, Paul Geeling and me, we, ran, we lived together and we would clean our house every fortnight, right, on a Wednesday because we had a life group in our house. If you're having trouble keeping your house tidy, right, get a life group in your house, right, and it will be clean every fortnight. So we'd have enough dishes to literally last for two weeks. We would have enough. It, it, wasn't, it was a bachelor's house. Once, one day, this is true, right, the police, because I left the window open, the curtain got took out the window, right, and, uh, and so someone had called out the police, and so the police, we were at church, and so they came to us and said, we think someone's broken into your house, right? And I go, oh, okay, we would, so can you come with us? Because they didn't want to go into our house. house. So I opened the door, and it was very embarrassing because I said, I know it looks like it's been trashed, <laughs> but this is how we live, right? <laughs> and then the policeman at the end had the gall to come up to me and goes, you know, as uh, someone from church, you probably should live in a yeah. you know, more tidier house. Okay, do your job, mate. Find a criminal. Find a criminal. Do your job. Move on. Move on. You know, our church, we need an events team. We have our own in-house events, like Summit. You know, we, event, we, we host things that the church puts on. We recently had a church planning seminar with all different church planners from around Brisbane coming together just here at the church. We regularly get together. With, uh, uh, with all the Brisbane pastors, you know, they meet here in this church. There's weddings and there's different things that go on, funerals, there's different events. This church is not a museum, trust me, right? There's always something going on, community events. And so we just need someone who can come in and just help and get the church ready for those things, right? So it just, just helps us do those things. You know, you don't have to do everything, but just do one thing. I don't really want you being the host team, playing guitar, looking after the kids, doing the production, right? Like serving in the cafe afterwards, making sure there's coffee and tea. We don't want you to do everything, right? But we ask you that you would just do one thing. So maybe the musicians should come as I just come to an end today. And I promise you, we will train you. You know, there are certain things that we have to do literally every single 
member who does any area of volunteering in our church goes through a child safety training. We want to make sure that we have the safest church that there is. So every single volunteer, not just if you're working with kids, you may never, ever even see a child in the area that you're serving, but we want you to be aware of what should happen, and we regularly do that. I think in May this year, it'll be in three years since we lasted the training, and so all of our volunteers, regardless of what area, regardless of what location, regardless of whether you've been in the area for a long time or a short time, will be going through every volunteer goes through a blue card process. So you can trust the volunteers here at our church. We'll make sure that if you're doing something that needs some skills, that we'll give you those skills. And we will walk as slowly as we need to with you. So it's not just like, well, we told you what to do last week, go and do it. Right? But I'm asking you, find somewhere. Pray about it. You're going to the foyer today, and you'll see that there's all sorts of different areas. If you're involved, we say, God bless you. Fantastic. We thank you. I'm not asking you to involve yourself anymore. But if you're not involved, online, you can do it through our hub, emergechurch.life. But we just ask you to just get involved. As I said, I'm, I'm shameless about it. We're tithing. I don't know if you tithe. We're serving. I'm going to find out. Right? So... Uh, you know, just this week I did a, a video. It's, it's really nice. The, the set they come up with is fantastic. And really what it is, it's just my philosophy of serving at Emerge Church. He wants you to go through that. So you want to have a consistency. So whether it's life group, whether it's a cafe, whether it's hosting, that the heart, the heart for people, the heart for God would come out in those things. And so I just asked that you would serve. Now I've got the Nice, soft, romantic music going. Uh, I don't really need that. I mean, you can keep playing, but... <laughs> what I'm saying is that this is one of those messages. Just do something. Don't just be hearers of the Word. Just be doers of the Word. The other thing is, as I will say, you know, there are some people, and you might be just at a place, I just need to sit past the mark. I've just been through so much. So many things have just happened. I just need to sit. Oh, just sit. Yeah, good. We know I'm not judging you. We're here to serve you. The fact that you can just sit, yeah. that should be a hallmark of our church. That there's not this pressure. You're not doing something. Well, there's something wrong with you. The kind of tone of this message has been that because I'm bringing a light and a focus to this particular part. Or you might be here and you go, well, I, I just need a hospital. You know, when my kids are sick, when, you know, they, when they, we have, all of my kids have chores. If they were genuinely sick, not when they made out they were sick, right? Right, we would, they didn't have to do their chores. We would happily do their chores. There was a moment in time where that's just how it was. That's how family works. So if you're in a place where you need to sit, sit. Don't feel condemnation. I want to say, if you ever feel any condemnation for my preaching, it's, it's not what's meant. It's just teaching. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring focus to something. I'm not here to condemn you, somehow make you feel lesser because you don't serve somewhere. But if there is your whole of body, whole of mind, whole of spirit, 
There is something that God has for you to do. There's a place for you to serve others. There's a particular spot. So what I want to ask, I want you just to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand or anything, but I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you for his teens. I thank you for the future that you have for us, oh God. Father, thank you for that word we received last week, just about the future of our church. But Father, it's not about Pastor Nina and myself and how good we are. Father, Lord, we may be the ones that are seen in different ways. But as Father, as each of us take up our part, that each of us does the thing that we are asked to do, O oh God. Father, Lord, then this church will see all that you have for it achieved. All that you have for it, O oh God, come to pass. Father, we ask that. And Lord, if there be different areas that you'd have us to serve, let it come by the Spirit of God in people's hearts so they would sense, I just want to do something. Father, I pray, open up and excite them about these things. In Jesus' name, amen.